tell you today is one of those days where I am so grateful that we don't record in a studio and that we record remotely because I am not wearing any pants and I am so happy about it. <laughs> yeah. I am Jules. <laughs> I am Lex. I, I I'm 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 sort of wearing pants today. But you're that's because you're a consummate professional, unlike me. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but uh. is that hold on really quickly before we like go into any of the content of our show? Yeah. Is that a Sailor Moon backpack that I see behind you? <laughs> no, it is a uh, it's a Steve backpack from Stranger Things. It's the um, ice cream parlor uniform oh, that he and Robin wear. Oh, OK, yeah. OK, OK, OK. But I get I get the Sailor Moon vibes. Yeah, I, I, I'm picking up Anyone- down. Anyone that's into Sailor Moon, there's a new movie. I think maybe f- series of movies coming Ooh. out. And definitely at least two of them coming out on Netflix, I think, later this month. Mm, so I, there's that. Uh, probably unpopular. Not even opinion, just unpopular mm-hmm. fact. I I didn't – I wasn't into Sailor Moon mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I didn't – it's not that I like – I just never watched it. So yeah. I'm always like – would I yeah. be into it? I don't know. Yes. I recommend you watch it. I never liked okay. Sailor Moon, the character, uh, but that's mm. just who I am. I never go for the lead singer. I always go for the drummer. So <laughs> Sailor Jupiter was always my jam. She was kind of like the bubbles of the group. If you're going to like yeah, try to. Al- yeah, exactly. So she was kind of like the the rowdy one. She was the Raphael, the, the uh-huh. you know, like that kind of like gruff attitude, but like heart of gold. Um, probably some intimacy <laughs> issues. So yeah, related to her a lot. <laughs> so you're like, ah, yes, vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 uh, for sure. So right, I would recommend I'll- it. It's adorable, and it's like was really great for me as a kid growing up. So we didn't really have ca- like premium cable or anything. We only had basic cable when I was little, and mm-hmm. I remember. The Cartoon Network would do this thing where they would give you like a a week of free Cartoon Network. And I never understood how it happened. Like as a child, I'm like, oh, it's magic. It's here and then it's gone. And I never know (laughs) when it's going to come and when it's going to leave. But when it was there, I would literally just come home after school and like be a horrible child and not do like be a horrible student and like not do my homework. I would literally just binge Cartoon Network and as a little girl growing up watching anime, I just loved a full female cast. Like, that for me was dope. I was like, there are all these badass yeah. women, and they all are different, but they all come together and elevate each other and work together. And for me, it was just like a really great, like, bit of anime role model-ness. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I... As you were talking about the the Cartoon Network thing, it just made me think of like back in my day when yep. Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, like yep. you got that for forty eight to seventy two hours yep. occasionally, and yep. that yeah, just like <laughs> becoming uh, for me absolutely useless for that weekend. I was like, I am mm-hmm. only watching Disney Channel, and no one can talk to me mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so I don't know. It's also so fascinating how much uh, like cartoons and mm-hmm. 
it, it makes sense. Like art yeah. is very informative and kind of helps shape you. But uh, I last summer I rewatched Hey Arnold, and just as I was watching it, I was like, man, the way that they are talking about mental health not as openly as I think some mm-hmm. newer shows like Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Adventure Time talks about it a lot, but mm-hmm. like things like Helga's mom was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, it makes sense that Helga's the bully and lashes out. Like, mm-hmm. look at her home life. Look at the way she's compared to her sister. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just like, I've I've found myself just straight up weeping while rewatching yeah. certain episodes. Oh, devastating. Yeah. Oh, I loved Hey Arnold. I so related good. a lot because I had a mom, but she worked a lot. And so mm-hmm. my grandparents were very active in my upbringing. And Arnold lived with his grandparents. And so, yeah. like, the grandpa was just a straight G. <laughs> he, like, he just his one-liners, his attitude about life, his whole thing of, like, I've seen enough shit. Like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, hey, short he's, man. Yeah, he's a G. <laughs> He's, love him. He's so great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were both. I love how, like, wacky his grandma is. It's yeah. fantastic. What a, what a great show. Yeah. I recently did something similar, but instead of a Nickelodeon show, I rewatched a few of the Disney classic original films that we <gasps> grew up on. So if you're, you know, if you're of our generation, of our uh-huh, timeline... Uh-huh. You'll remember, like, Smart House was one of my favorites. Um, uh, Luck of the Irish. I love Luck of the Irish. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It's so bad. It's amazing. I had such a crush on that actor. I mean, who didn't? Mm -hmm. He was Mm -hmm. the lead in, like, so many of those kind of movies. Then there was, like, oh, what was the – there was, like, the motocross one. Motocross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved that. For a lot of people, that was – motocross was, like, their bisexual awakening. They're like, I'm – Attracted to her Mm -hmm. both ways. Wait, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah. I also watched, what's the one? I forgot what it's called, but it's the one with Catherine Hugall, um, where her and her Swiss, I want to say it's like Wish Upon a Star or something, where her and her sister go to high school and they like one night Wish Upon a Star and they switch bodies. Yes, I think, I think that's, yeah. I don't know if I ever saw that one. That one and then I think it was Aquamarine. Was it the mermaid one? Aquamarine. Life size. 13th year. Life size, oh, life size, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great one. Um, yeah. Halloween Town is a classic. <gasps> I, I have Halloween Town one through three on DVD. Oh but damn! Was three the one? I think is four the one that we pretend don't exist because they decided to recast everyone. Which was the one that they recast everyone? I want to say it was the fourth one. Probably the yeah. fourth one. I think yeah. I've only seen the first two. Classic. Classic. Yeah. We watch it every year so around good. Halloween. Yeah. So good. That and Hocus Pocus. Oh, yes. Which... A sequel? <gasps> ah! I know. I'm so excited. Insane. I know. I'm yeah, excited, I'm too. Pumped. I... You know, we've only been asking for it for like the past 25 years, so... I Dreams mean, do come true, kids. I just, I'm so, I, yeah. love, I love that movie so much. I'm so excited. Yeah. You know back. how I gave myself second degree burns on my mouth? Uh, yes. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know if I talked, have I talked about it on this <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think you've talked about it on the podcast. You and I talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Off so recording. My, my, my mouth got sunburned and I didn't realize it was a sunburn. I thought it was chapped. So I 
put a chemical exfoliator on top. I should have known better. Gave myself second degree burns. Then I put like Vaseline on top because I thought that would seal in hydration, but instead it just sealed in the heat. So I gave myself blistery, painful second degree burns. And when they started healing, I looked like the dude from Hocus Pocus. This is how it comes back around. The one that had his mouth sewn shut. Yeah, that's literally how I looked. That is how I looked. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Billy's iconic, you know? Yeah. He's the best. He was always my favorite. He was always yeah. my favorite. Just yeah. the physical comedy. I always appreciate someone that can do physical comedy. Yeah. I think that yeah. actor is, I can't remember some of the other roles he's played, but that's kind of like his niche is playing monsters. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know what? I'm not going to say I think because I don't remember. I want to say he was in like Pan's Labyrinth as well. Okay. But I'm probably making all of this up. Probably uh, as like that monster with eyeballs in its hands. Yeah. Is That's that the one? one I need to watch? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I, I'm really just speculating here. Yeah. It's don't quote me. Oh, oh we don't pedal facts. facts. Yeah, yeah, we don't pedal facts here <laughs> in the painting. Um, no, was no, Hocus no. Pocus his breakthrough role, do we think? Or. I don't think you know what I don't I'm know. I'm gonna be honest Maybe. with you. I only asked pro- that question for a segue because our because I wanted to segue into <laughs> speaking about breakthroughs. We're continuing uh-huh. talking about mental health today, <laughs> and and we wanted to start by talking about our breakthrough, oh, one of the breakthroughs or one of the most memorable breakthroughs that we have had. Uh, in therapy separately. We mm-hmm. haven't had the privilege of going to therapy together. I imagine it would be a lot of crying and Probably. art, like arts and crafts, like art therapy, oh, arts and crafts. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. So do you have a breakthrough moment that you remember that really stands out in your mind? I, I do. Um, and this one, I will say this one happened not in a session. Um, this one happened on my own, but it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been going to therapy, um, because I'd been talking to my therapist a lot about like living with regret, right? Like, and everybody does because that's kind of part of, that is part of life. Mm -hmm. And, um, this also ties into a book I just read, The Midnight Library. I finally finished it. It was a recommendation a few weeks ago. Yeah. But it all the book like talks about this too, this idea of like yeah. you get so hung up on on your regrets that you mm-hmm. um you almost become paralyzed mm-hmm. by them. You do become paralyzed by them and you get stuck thinking about the what ifs mm-hmm. that instead Basically, what I did is I I was on this walk and I was uh I was very nostalgic and I was very stuck in the thought of what if I had done X Y Z thing mm-hmm. differently? Like, what if I had gone to a theater school right out of high school versus mm-hmm. going to a community college? What if I had like uh switched my major to um pop music? Uh, and gone to Thornton, like, where would I be if I had done all of these other things and made all of these other different choices? And I remember, like, having the thought of, well, you can't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't change those things. So instead of the thought of, like, what if I had done this, thinking about, like, the experience that I Mm -hmm. have 
that be based off of the things that I have done and then flipping it so it's it's not about like what if I had done something differently but more where can I go based off of the experience I do have mm-hmm. and then when I thought about that I was like oh it can still take me to the places that I want to go mm-hmm. that I've been dwelling on in the what ifs it's just going to look different and so for me that was a big breakthrough and it's really helped me shift my my way of thinking instead of Instead of regretting the decisions I've made, like being more gentle with myself and thinking like you've made a lot of these decisions because you had to survive in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, it felt right or it was the right decision. Uh, So, yeah, looking at just looking at like the gifts that I currently have and how I can use those to be the foundation for where I go in the future. Yeah. It's been really helpful. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think so many of us dwell on like, uh, if I could go back, I would do this differently. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, because of getting through it, what you've learned, where you've been since then and everything that you've done. But by thinking of like what I, because I experience this all the time, by thinking of like what you could have done differently back then. Sometimes it takes away for me, at least, from the choices in my present. Yeah. And so my present then also becomes a moment of, well, I would have done that differently. Because Mm -hmm. instead of sitting there and being like, okay, what are my options? What do I want to do? How do I feel? And what emotion do I want to lean into? Instead, it just becomes like another thing where... I respond reflexively and I don't mm-hmm. know if you experience this. I'll respond reflexively and then it'll be a moment that in my, in retrospect, I'll be like, oh yeah, that moment I could have done that differently. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's, it's that same idea. Like when you get caught up in that spiral of like, if I had done this thing differently, where would I be? Or I would have done it this way. You then are taking away, like what you were saying, you're taking mm-hmm. away from your present moment. And mm-hmm. and that maybe that moment that you're currently in, in the mm-hmm. future will be another moment where you're like, oh, yep. I could have done that differently. Which I think, yeah, yeah, that's like what you were saying. And it it just takes away from everything you're trying yeah. to do and it zaps your energy and it makes it harder to change your behaviors, mm-hmm. change your reactions mm-hmm. and, and move forward. It leaves so. you in your comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no, I'm still, you know, doing yeah. whatever thing. Um, so how are you yeah. now that you know that and now that you've mm-hmm. had that breakthrough, do you find that how do you handle the present in the moment events? Yeah, it's I mean, it has helped me uh, in a lot of ways it's helped me cause I'll, I'll, I still do it. Like I still mm-hmm. am like, Oh, what if I had learned how to play the drums when I was seven? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I still have those thoughts. Um, but I'm, it's easier for me to like snap out of it mm-hmm. and be like, well, you didn't learn drums when you were seven cause you were way more mm-hmm. interested in acting. And so you did that. And like, mm-hmm. now you do theater. It, I think it's just made me a little bit more aware of like, when you are making a decision that it doesn't when it doesn't have to be this decision isn't like be all end all like if i decide right. to do this thing right now it doesn't mean that i can't change my mind later down the road right um it it's also made me think a little bit more of like 
am I making this decision because it's the easier thing, it's the mm-hmm. safe thing, or am I doing this like because it is truly what's best for me? Mm-hmm. And like it, it helps me think about it in terms of planning a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. the job that I'm currently in, it was a very snap decision to mm-hmm. leave my old job for this one. There's a lot of reasons why I said mm-hmm. yes, and I'm thankful that I did. Um, but it's I was a lot more aware that when I said yes, that it's not the end goal for me, mm-hmm. that eventually – like part of the reason why I took it is because the pay was better. That meant I could save more so I could switch to acting sooner than if I'd stayed mm-hmm. in my old job. Mm-hmm. Um and so that is constantly like top of mind of like this isn't the end for me. Like yeah. I have plans to do something else. And yeah. so it, it it makes it easier for me to like not beat myself up over making mm-hmm. that decision um, and not sit there and, and think like, oh, God, like I'm I'm just going to be stuck in operations forever. I'm just going to be stuck in healthcare forever. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. Like this is just a thing that I need right now. And then I'm out of here. Yeah. So it's a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit easier to yeah. remember where you're going. I don't know. I I think I get really idealistic because I'm always like, yeah. what would life be like if people got to just do what they wanted and what yeah. they gave a shit about? And I'm not talking about like people can just go out and murder. Like I'm talking about within oh, yeah, within yeah, yeah. reason. Like yeah. if you're somebody who's creative and you love making music, like if we had created a world where that's what you get to mm-hmm. do and – I had a friend who was like, well, yeah, but that's beat. And again, I realize it's very idealistic. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, that's super I- idealistic, though, because like, what if then we don't have doctors or farmers or we don't have people to help take care of us? And I was like, I feel like there are people who are passionate about that. Yeah. Also, if we created a world where everyone kind of contributes, yeah. like it's not yeah. you just play saxophone all day. Yeah. It's like you also help your community if we had more of like in some ways, a hive mindset of, like, doing everything you can to Mm -hmm. contribute to the greater good and Mm -hmm. also fulfill yourself. Yep. Like, what, what, ah, the human potential. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to disprove that right now. You, any, anytime you want to get to know someone, have Mm -hmm. them pull up their home feed of YouTube. Because if you look at me... And you look at Garrett, my fiance, and you mm-hmm. pull up our home feeds next to each other, completely different. And mm-hmm. we watch videos that we're passionate about. So mine are very much like a lot of fashion, a lot mm-hmm. of art, a lot of, you know, pop culture, things like that. His are primarily engineering. Like, mm-hmm. literally, I I watched, I watched him watch a video the other day that was all <laughs> about, like, different locks and like the strength and power of different locking (laughs) mechanisms and so he'll watch this stuff and i just don't get it one it doesn't hold my interest and i think because it doesn't hold my interest that leads me to two which is i don't retain it i don't understand it i can't my brain can't process it Mm -hmm. whereas i tried to talk to him about like casting for a movie or the cinematography of a certain film and he'll just like his eyes will glaze over and he'll just be like i don't know who (laughs) <laughs> who what now what i don't yeah. know so i think like i agree with you there are definitely people that their passion is medicine or healing their passion mm-hmm. is um and you know there are some people that their passion is uh 
maybe acupuncture versus traditional Western medicine, you know, like, but, but we've created this, this, we like to put people in boxes and we like to, you know, someone who has an MD is prestigious and well off, even though they could be a primary care provider that's barely making rent and like struggling in a hospital system that doesn't really appreciate them versus like an acupuncturist who doesn't have an MD, but is still a doctor and loves her patients and has her own practice and is thriving. And yet like some people will hear acupuncturists in some parts of the country and be like, oh my God, like get your voodoo magic away from me. You know what I mean? And so I think it's like a lot of like those attitudes and a lot of those, those societal perceptions that like a title puts you in a certain box. Yeah. Well, we put more value on, on things that are pretty arbitrary at the end of the day. Um, Like, I think you and I had talked about this, how when a company goes, I can't remember if it was you and I who talked about this or my, uh, uh, a different friend and I were talking about this, but when a company goes public, a lot of times you see like the CEO and everyone change, like sort of like a changing of the guard and they'll bring in a lot of people who have masters in business Mm -hmm. and, you know, because it's like you can, to be a CEO and to create a company, Mm -hmm. you want somebody who's like insightful and innovative and Mm -hmm. is willing to take risks, right? So maybe you don't have a master's in business, but if you want people to take you seriously, you bring in mm-hmm. somebody who does have a master's in business. And it's like, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be any good at running the company, though. Like, they could still be garbage, but they had the, the financial ability to yep. seek out that master's and, like, yeah. give themselves more cultural currency, even if it's like – empty calories that they're providing no i completely agree with you like it's look at me for example i have a political i have a bachelor's in political science from a prestigious university i am not in government i am not a lobbyist Mm -hmm. i am nowhere near politics my degree is meaningless aside from the fact that having a bachelor of any kind Mm -hmm gives me two things. One, it gets me over the hurdle of just having a degree that people want because people assume that this qualifies you for a certain amount of like a certain pay salary bracket. Same thing with an MBA. Like you could be an undergraduate and have 10 years of leadership experience, but someone fresh out of business school is going to get paid more than you because on paper, that's just how it works. So one, my bachelor gets me over that hurdle. And two, it opens up the doors to an alumni network that of other people that finished that college, where basically you now can rub elbows with each other and help each other out and help each other get wherever you need to get. Um, and specifically, since the college that I went to had a had a strong, strong business school, like all those dudes went in either to law school, to hedge funds, to like banks, like, and they all network with each other. And they like, it's a it's a it's an insular bubble. And so like, yeah. that's literally what that gets you. It gets you through the door. Yeah. Of, but it doesn't necessarily qualify you for anything. Yeah. I've met people who have so many degrees attached to their name, and I'm just like, oh, dear, I wouldn't trust you with my life, like, you know, or (laughs) I wouldn't trust you with my wallet, you know, Mm -hmm. and it, 
Yeah, that assumption took, that education does something. I'm just like, All I right. took an entire semester on, well, I've talked about a few things that I've taken an entire mm-hmm. semester on, but I took an entire <laughs> semester on the First Amendment, where we literally just absorbed and regurgitated first uh, famous First Amendment cases through the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. I retained nothing. I know nothing. I, I I don't want to go to law school. I don't want to be in a court. I don't. I I nothing. Nothing. I'm I'm drawing Elton Rex. I'm I'm in Procreate <laughs> on my iPad, just drawing feathers on a on a jacket for a fictional dinosaur. Like, <laughs> but it's amazing. But it's something that now I'm able to just not even think about it and like get accepted for job interviews because they're like, oh yeah, she has she has the minimum prerequisite, which is a bachelor's. Yeah. But this like speaks to what my biggest breakthrough was, which is kind of the the flip side of that. And it's oh. in therapy, I I actually learned what empathy was, like mm-hmm. through experience. Mostly because of my relationship with my family. Mostly because of my relationship with my mother. Her and I never really had the same communication style. She's very direct. Mm -hmm. She's very, like, I'm going to say what I need to say. I'm not going to repeat myself. I Like, she's a very efficient person. She's a badass. I'm so Mm -hmm. in awe of her. And I'm always like, I wish I was, like, as brave as you. But I'm very sensitive. And I'm very, I have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of emotions. I don't like to talk about them. So... When someone says something to me directly, I used to take it very personally, shut down, walk away from that person, and my mom dealt with the brunt of it. But it's something that I did through my whole life. Every single relationship that I've had, every single friendship that I had, everything, I always took super personally, and I would just, like, shut down and cut that person out. How very Aquarius of me. (laughs) How very Aquarius. But it was in therapy that, like... I started exploring my relationship with my mom and, like, why we never communicated effectively. And, like, it started very much from a selfish place of, like, she doesn't get me. She doesn't understand. She's an enemy. And then I realized, like, no, this is a woman who, at the age of 25, left behind everything she knew against, like, people telling her that she should, like, she had zero support from extended family like they were like you shouldn't do this don't do this don't do this and at 25 she grabbed her kid grabbed her parents moved to a country where she did not know the language she had no prospects and she ended up like building an entire life for herself with these three dependents and so like as i got a little older and i started to like explore our relationship i was like oh she is only coming from a place of wanting to take care of me. Yeah. But I, having grown up in America, not having seen her struggle because she put on a brave face and she was always there and always showed up as a mom, I never understood that struggle. I never understood the bravery it took her. I was always like, I'm living comfortably. I'm privileged. Like, you're... Like, I... I was no longer in survival mode. She was in survival mode. I was not. And so the disconnect was that I was like, no, I want to, I want to do my art. Like I'm fine. Like whatever, like you don't get it. You know what I mean? Like I want to be a writer. I want to be an artist. 
And she had a very different reality of having to survive, having to hustle, having to claw at everything that she had, especially as she was a young woman in her 20s, yeah. in the 90s, in New York, in fintech. What is fintech? It's financial technology. So basically, oh. the like the banks and like the financial organizations, if you think of like Goldman Sachs, yeah, Merrill yeah, Lynch, yeah. Chase, all of that. But she worked on the tech side. So she went to school. She got she like learned how to code. She learned how to program. But back in the former Soviet Union, she was an economist. So she knows business back and forth. And so when she came to America, she got a job working on the tech side of these financial organizations, which Mm -hmm. like you try to explain a budget to me, you try to explain an expense report to me, you try to ex- ex- uh, explain what a PL, profit and loss report to me. Uh-huh. No, absolutely not. I will burn, I will, <laughs> I will burn the business down the entire, I will burn, <laughs> JP Morgan Chase, I will burn your whole building down before I submit a PL report to you. Like, I would, re- hypothetically speaking, of course, you know, for legal yes, purposes, I have to say hypothetically. <laughs> um, but like, she basically hustled in an indus- in a in a, div- a section a division of an industry in a location during an era where as a young woman a young immigrant woman she had everything stacked stacked up against her and she yeah. through sheer fortitude and and bravery did it like she she did the yeah. american dream and but I didn't understand that because everything that she sacrificed to give me, I had mm-hmm. been given. And I was like, I'm living in privilege. I can do whatever I want. I'm an American kid. I am I'm the best. Yeah. We're the best. Like and so as I got older, the more I started to like explore a relationship and really try to understand where she was coming from and what she must have been up against, the more I realized, like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't know if I have that bravery or that fortitude. Had I been in the same situation, I don't know if I would have made those decisions. I don't know if I would have been brave enough to. And so I started to really explore, like, her with empathy. Mm -hmm. And then I started, like, trying to do it for other people. And it's my favorite game to play. If anyone's ever looking for a game, like... Say you go into the grocery store and there is, like, a woman there and she maybe has a kid or two and she's, like frazzled and she maybe pushes past you instead of like being like oh my god people are so annoying like so rude like make up a story for that person and like it doesn't have to be real but make like for that woman particularly maybe you make up the story that like she is a nurse and she just finished working a double and there are no groceries in her house. So she had to come to the store after her double to get the groceries and she had to bring her kids because she's not, they're little, she's not going to leave them alone at home. And so she's here trying to get groceries and like keep her kids chill after working a double just to like get home and get everyone fed and get everyone in bed. And like, of course, she doesn't have the bandwidth to, like, respect my personal space. Like, I'm not going to assume that she's just a horrible person. I'm going to make up a story. Again, it doesn't have to be true. But I'm going to mm-hmm. make up a story giving her the benefit of the doubt. And one, I feel like it's a really great exercise to flex your empathy. Mm-hmm. And it it just, it, 
it's also a fun game to just like give people these lives (laughs) yeah as an aside but like that's what I'll do is like sometimes and sometimes I'm not good at catching myself like sometimes I'll walk into a target and I'll see all these kids running around and all their parents are like and I don't have the bandwidth to have the empathy I will grumble through the store and just be like oh so many fucking kids Ah." (laughs) but other times I'm like all right you know like I don't have children I don't know what it's like to balance whatever is going on in their lives, like a, a children during a pandemic, all of that. So I'm not going to assume, partly for the empathy practice, but then also partly because of karma, because I'm very much afraid mm-hmm. that I will judge people for how they act when they have their kids out in public. And then I will, when I have kids, have, like, absolute terrorists for children. So I'm trying to be like, let me practice empathy. Gremlins. Yeah, exactly. Let me practice empathy. Let me just, like, give you the benefit of the doubt. And then hopefully the universe will reward me with angel children. But now that I've said it, I'm like, oh, well, my intentions probably aren't the I mean, best. So probably not. You never know. You never know. I, yeah. That's... That's such a wonderful um I don't I love that game of mm-hmm. trying to take a step back and I think it it's so cuz it's so easy to make a snap judgment out of a situation mm-hmm. especially if you're having a rough day or mm-hmm. you know you're hungry or whatever it may be and then you mm-hmm. you get this like this stranger interacting mm-hmm. with you and it's just like son of a Mm-hmm. You know, at yeah, I think that's a, a wonderful way to just be more patient with people and mm-hmm. to understand that, like, they have a lot. Go- like, everybody's got something going on mm-hmm. and um, trying to understand other people's perspectives because nobody processes the world the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and reminding yourself that I think is really important because then it also makes it a little bit easier if you're trying to communicate like you were saying with you and your mom like it just makes it easier trying to communicate with them and trying to connect because if you can recognize that there's a disconnect yeah you can open yourself up to understanding why and maybe hear that or yeah or even just place yourself in their position for a moment and go like yeah. okay i can kind of see maybe why this conversation is difficult or mm-hmm. how i said something that didn't land quite the right way or vice versa mm-hmm. yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and i think it's with empathy that we approach this episode or this part of yeah. the mental health series because what we wanted to touch on we've talked a lot about our mental health journeys, our journeys within therapy. Um, But we really wanted to zoom in on like talking a little bit more about the industry, not in like a dry, this is how insurance works kind of way. Although we could definitely do a lengthy episode (laughs) on insurance for sure. Um, But just like how it might work in America. And then also some resources for you Mm -hmm. if you are looking for therapy and haven't found anyone. And then just some things that have worked for us because I personally have been, I since moving to the area where I'm at right now, I haven't resumed therapy. I haven't found a therapist. And now with the pandemic, everyone's 
booked and waitlisted and all of that. And so it's been hard. I've been trying to get my mental health to a good place with some lifestyle changes, which I can talk about later. But yeah, just like where you can find resources and help. Yeah. I was holding in a burp. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I can see you. Oh, no. I know. (laughs) It was like bubbling up and I was like, I I need to finish this before it comes out. (laughs) My Uh, eyes started tearing. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Dude, the mental health care system, the healthcare system in general in this country and the mental health care aspect of it is such a scam. It's, it's such a scam. Yeah. And I I feel like it's pretty trash worldwide. Um, I don't know of a particular country that's like, our mental health is great. Like, yeah, I think it's just I know definitely in America, it's like, oh, just push through it. Just yeah. What, what do you have to be worried about? I mean, yeah. I've had things like I know I've told you this, like. So I started going to therapy consistently about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I have family in my life who, like, I'll mention, like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to my therapist, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, you're still going to therapy? What for? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, yeah, literally life. Like, what do you mean? What's ro-? Like, even if there's yeah. nothing wrong, it's still a great way to learn how to be more empathetic, more vulnerable, yep. to be more self-aware. And I think mm-hmm. everybody – can use that and it helps mm-hmm. you process things too like and the i think one of the best benefits of therapy um and i will say as as trash as one of my therapists mm-hmm. was the one that i got before uh my current therapist mm-hmm. one of the things that she explained about therapy was that you think of it as like you are a rubber band mm-hmm. and how did she explain it? it was like you're a rubber band Nope, that was a different metaphor. I don't remember that one. Anyway, <laughs> think of think of life as like a roller coaster, right? And you okay. start really, really high and you feel really mm-hmm. good and then you plummet really, really low. And so yeah. you're going back and forth to these extremes. Mm-hmm. But the idea of therapy – okay, there was also a rubber band metaphor. I just remembered it. Anyway, <laughs> the idea of therapy is that those peaks and valleys on mm-hmm. that roller coaster – become smoother and they become Mm -hmm. less dramatic so the idea with the rubber band is that you are getting stretched further and further apart and then you're springing back and forth but uh and maybe think of it like a cold rubber band like if you pull it too hard it snaps Mm -hmm. versus when you go to therapy what starts to happen is that rubber band gets warmer and warmer Mm -hmm. and it can stretch further but it stays intact so if and when you experience a more uh traumatic event Mm -hmm. you have the resources built in that you can bring yourself back to that like relaxed rubber band position that makes sense but yeah therapy is for our minds and our emotional well-being what working out is for our bodies what going to the gym or doing yoga is for our bodies that's what therapy is for our minds and our emotions and the people that say what's wrong with you like if there's a problem fix it but it's just short-term solution like like uh, push through it like what that tells me is those people have not yet opened the lid on their trauma because here's the thing once you go to therapy and once you open the lid to pandora's box and you like take out one little piece of of a traumatic event from your life and you start like unfurling it, it 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 turns into like if you picture Pandora's box as a physical 
box and it's pretty and it's bedazzled on top and you're like I don't ever want to open it it's good if it just stays there closed like I can see it I can admire it but I, I can acknowledge it but I don't have to like explore it I don't have to open it then you open the box and you see a little corner of a fabric and you pull at it and you start mm-hmm. pulling and pulling and it turns into like a, a, a magician's scarf where there really is just <laughs> scarves and scarves and butt and, and ribbon and, and napkins and just like all of this fabric and you're pulling it out and it doesn't end except the scarves and the fabrics and the napkins are your trauma. Yeah. There is always yeah. more. <laughs> There's always more. And it's also like, I, so my therapist did this thing when when I first met her, like part of her intake mm-hmm. was, so have you had any traumatic events in your life? And I was like, oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I mentioned the big major ones, like losing my mom, like mm-hmm. things that really stood out. And she was like, yeah. how were your teenage years? And I was like, they were great. They were fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And now two, two, three years later, I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I'm, I've been, and I even told her, I was like, I've thought about that intake form. And part of me is like, mm-hmm. can we do that again? Because my answers would be very different. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh no, we're not doing it again. But I knew when you said, yeah, no, childhood was great that I was going to be like, <laughs> okay, sure. And it, it yeah. is like, you start to you start to see the connections like you start to understand like oh mm-hmm. why am i bad about expressing my emotions and mm-hmm. sharing my opinions on things and i jokingly I'm like oh cuz i'm a capricorn but in all seriousness it's much deeper than that mm-hmm. it's like you did it because you know uh, the the pressures that your parents were mm-hmm. facing at the time you didn't want to add to that, so you made yourself more mm-hmm. quiet. You made yourself smaller, so you don't didn't express your needs when you mm-hmm. were a child. And so now you have a hard time as an adult expressing your needs. Like a lot yeah. of the bullshit that we as adults uh, deal with, yep. as much as of a stereotype as it is, like yeah, the reason why it stems from your childhood is because that's where you start shaping your reality as as a kid and then you carry those coping mechanisms with you Mm -hmm. as you grow up yeah like yeah of course that's why you need to like look at your child (laughs) like when you're trying to undo trauma 100 percent. my thing was i grew up in a very loud family and like Mm. if you said something or did something that was uh, the wrong thing who decided the what the wrong thing was i don't know Mm -hmm. but you would probably get yelled at and so what I began to do was I began to use semantics to like, I would ask a question that wasn't the actual question and gauge the response. Or like mm. if I did something that I knew was going to get me yelled at, like I would semanticize my way through it so that mm. I would come off as like, oh, I didn't know that was wrong. Or like, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I would like use loopholes or or workarounds to like get through it and because i didn't want to get yelled at i didn't want to get in trouble and so that led me to patterns of behavior where i don't know how to ask for what i want sometimes i don't even know how to identify what it is i truly want because Mm. my knee-jerk reaction is i don't want to do something that someone else will be upset about because right. that's going to make me feel bad not from the not from not in the in the scope of like oh 
I hurt this person's feelings. I made them feel bad. Now I feel bad. Like in that case, 100%, I will go. I will apologize. Like, but I mean, specifically getting into trouble. And I think that's yeah. why I struggled in school as well is because I, I, I hated authority. I didn't respect authority. I was always like, you're the teacher, I'm the student, but I didn't give you my permission to talk to me the way that you are. But at the same yeah. time, I was afraid of authority because I was afraid of getting into trouble because I like was, you know, and so I, I did make myself small. I always, I, I got crafty about like certain things. And mm -hmm. ultimately as an adult, what that led me to is I, like I was saying, I either don't know what I want at a given point. I don't know myself anymore. I don't know my true yeah. core. I know what I've been told I should be, but I don't know who I am. And as I'm getting to know myself more and more, now is the hard part of articulating that and standing by yep. it. And so like when I tell people, oh, yeah, I have podcasts, it, like I I don't say it with pride. I should because we're we have an amazing listener base. We have um, amazing shows. I have an amazing co-host for the peony. And yet for me, it feels almost like I shouldn't be saying this is what I do because it won't get me taken seriously in the societal constructs in which yeah. I live. And it also like I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to like understand what you want and speak up about it and and not get down on yourself when you come up against opposition. Yeah. That's the that's been the hardest thing for me for sure. Of like I'll say something and if the person's reaction, like if I'll say like, "Oh yeah, I host a podcast," and the person's reaction isn't immediately like, "Oh, that's so cool. Like what's it called? What's it about?" Like if they don't show mm -hmm. interest, then I'm like, "Oh, what I'm doing isn't isn't I, worth my time. Like I'm doing something wrong." Like, you know what I mean? Because I'm yeah. just so used to that judgment and that like there is one right way to do things. And so I have a very avoidant personality. And I think that's part of why I'm such a control freak and why I have trouble going into ambiguous situations, not knowing what the outcome mm. is going to be. Because if I can't control, if I don't know what the outcome is going to be, then I can't protect myself from it. If I can't, right. if I don't know whether or not to anticipate someone yelling at me, then I can't prepare myself and protect myself. And that's kind of that like walking on eggshells mentality that I've had through my whole life, like even now. And it's something that I'm working through. Um, but it is it is something that I, I I'd never really worked. I want to say I started working on it through therapy, but I really didn't. It actually came uh, recently during the pandemic when I was looking at like what I was doing with my life and and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, should I get my MBA? Should I go to grad school? Like, da, 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 da. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, I these are things that I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do. Like, I hated <laughs> school back then. I'm not going to like it now. So it's something that I started navigating. And I started navigating it because all of these therapists were waitlisted and all, and I couldn't get in to see anyone. And when I tried to get in to see someone, it ended up, like that it would cost $300 a week because they didn't take insurance. They were out of network, like blah, 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 blah. And so it's, it's, 
you know, even $100 a week, that's a lot for people to shell out. Yeah. So therapy is a privilege, which is like when we think of the, the medical landscape or the mental health landscape, like the fact that you have to shell out hundreds of dollars to be yeah. able, like the fact that therapy is a luxury good sickens me. It sickens yeah. me. And so for me, the fact that there either availability or cost were detriments or not detriment, deterrence to me getting therapy, I've really had to focus on changing my lifestyle until I am able to get in and see a professional to talk through. So I have been, I gave up caffeine, like not caffeine, I gave up coffee. I still mm. drink green tea, but I gave up coffee I detoxed from sugar and I've still, still to this day, I like have cut down a lot on sugar and processed foods because I have anxiety and I have Mm -hmm. depression and coffee, the caffeine in coffee has, gives you such a fast high and such a fast crash that it can fuck with your, your dopamine levels and sugar is the very very similar processed foods. Like they all mess with us neurologically. And someone that has these disorders, I was like, I I need to set myself up for success. So I started really, really being militant about the content of what I eat, the nutrition of mm-hmm. what I eat. I started working out every day, even if that means like today, I didn't work up a sweat. I didn't do cardio. Like I did a 25 minute stretch routine and that's all I needed. I needed to move my body. I needed to like feel one with my body. Meditation, which I fucking Mm. hate, but I do anyway because it's so (laughs) powerful. Journaling, which I also hate because it's like talking about your feelings, but instead you're Uh writing them in a book and it's hard and I hate it, but I have to do it because when I don't do these things, then I, I, the, the, the little hobgoblin that lives in the recesses (laughs) of my mind will come out and he'll feed me that same bullshit narrative of like, you are not enough. You are not worthy. You are not on the right path. What are you doing? That all of these things. And one of the, there's this book that I, this workbook that I've been using called the intuitive way. And it's a Mm. lot of it is to exercises that break you out of your cycle of, victimizing yourself of always being defensive of always shutting down and not acknowledging what you're feeling inside and instead choosing to be empathetic choosing Mm -hmm. to see the best in yourself and in others choosing to feel your intuition and to find the voice within yourself that tells you hey this is what we should be doing Mm -hmm. and one of the exercises in the book was like sit there close your eyes as if you're meditating take a few deep breaths like and picture that you have a source of light right in your center right in like your Mm -hmm. chest now feel that light spread out into your body now and this is where it gets trippy feel that light detach from your body and sit behind you. Ooh. This is your inner self. This is where your biggest desires lie. This is where your biggest fears lie. This is your number one advocate. Mm -hmm. And she, and I did the exercise and it, I cried because it tripped me up so hard. But I was like sitting there and it was like, this is your inner self. 
talk to your inner self like you would anyone else. Like imagine that they're actually there and ask it the questions you've always wanted to ask, like say the things you've always wanted to say, have the confrontation you've always wanted to have. And I was like, one of the biggest things I asked, like the first thing I asked was, why are you always so mean to me? Like, why do you always put me down? And she said, she, I, whatever. It was like, oh, I'm like getting teary. I just, just talking about it. She was like, because that's the only way you've ever gotten feedback. Like you've, all you've ever absorbed is when people tell you when you've done something wrong and you heard that or people gave that to you a disproportionate amount to positive feedback when you did something right or when you did a good job or when you showed promise at something. So that's why it's hard for you to take a compliment, but it's easy for you to dwell on the critiques. And that's why your inner voice is criticism because that's all you've ever known and that's what you respond to. Yeah. And... Since, but then the voice was like, but you know what? Like, I've always believed in you. Like, I I see what you've been doing and I see the work that you've put in and you're doing a good job. Like, so my inner voice, myself, whatever you want to believe, like in that moment, acknowledged why I was talking, I was bullying myself essentially. And then gave me positive reinforcement of, hey, I see what you're doing. Like, you're following your passion. Good on you. Keep going. And that was a pivotal moment because now I will have conversations with myself in my head. And they are no longer, oh, you suck. Oh, you're worthless. You're never going to achieve anything. What are you doing? This podcast is never going to turn into an actual media company. Like, you're a wash. Like, just feed into the corporate oh, pipeline. God. Like, And instead, that voice is like, hey, you're doing great. Do you need a break? Let's take a break. Let's have some water. Like, th- I turn my inner bully into an ally and it has absolutely changed my life and i'm gonna cry now <laughs> oh no I'm like getting misty yeah it i mean thank you for right. sharing that because it i think we're also like sort of under this impression that you have you can only do this type of work with a therapist and we'll say i think the therapist is there to kind of like help pull you mm-hmm. when you go too far in one direction mm-hmm. so much of it is is you you like have to do that work on your own mm-hmm. and it um but learning to become your own best friend mm-hmm. and not just your own best friend but like um one of the things that i still very much struggle with it because i've made jokes about like every time i find a new coping mechanism or like a new symptom of ADHD I'm just reminded that I don't have a personality and I mean that as a joke but what I mean (laughs) is like there have been moments where it's like did you know that this thing that you do that's super quirky is a symptom of ADHD and at a like at a certain point you kind of start to feel like you're made up of your diagnosis and you're like Mm -hmm. I am only this thing and I'd had a moment where I was in therapy and I like broke down because I and I said that out loud. I was like, I just feel like I am not a person. I am just a collection of symptoms. My therapist was like, I think you need to learn to become best friends with your ADHD. 
Mm-hmm. Like you need to learn to become friends with your mental illness because – and I even – I try to – like I've still tried to find a different word, like not mental illness or mental mm-hmm. disorder, just – I don't know. I haven't found a word for it yet, but like mm-hmm. learning to become best friends with it because there might be days where like – and it's the same, I think, like learning to become be- best friends with your inner self, your yeah. inner child, like that uh, – Chanel referred to it as, you know, that shadow of yourself, like yeah. who you truly are at your core yeah. because yeah, when you can do that, you have like unlimited self-compassion for yourself and you understand mm-hmm. – yourself and you understand maybe the decisions you made or had to make in those in any given moment um yeah but it also i think there can be those days where maybe you're having a good day but maybe your maybe your anxiety is not mm-hmm. having a good day or maybe you're you know yeah. and, and it is a part of you absolutely but in that moment you can go okay well what do i need to do today to take care of that part of me mm-hmm. so that way we can be okay together mhm um, but it, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I've mentioned it, I think on last week's episode, that there is such a desire for so many people to live in the black or white and not live mm-hmm. in the gray. And the thing about it is your inner voice does not, or your diagnosis does not have to be your enemy or your best friend. Like, Sometimes yeah. there's room for bargaining. Like, for example, yeah. if you are someone that hates to work out, one of the ways that you can get yourself to do the workout is by bargaining with your inner voice. Like, so the inner voice that's like, I don't want to do this. Let's get off this treadmill. You could be like, I hear you. Let's just try five minutes. Mm-hmm. Once you get to five minutes, I don't want to be here. And okay, I, I hear you. What if we just gave it five more minutes? And like you bargain. And I feel like that's something that I've definitely done with my anxiety is like before I'm about to go into a job interview or before I'm about to like meet a new client for my makeup business. Mm-hmm. I have this like fear and anxiety. Everything wells up that whole like you're not worthy. You're not qualified. You are not good enough. You're not going to get this. And then when you don't get this, you're going to be a failure. And instead, I'm like, OK, this meeting is half an hour. Mm-hmm. It's in the grand scheme of things, not a lot of time. All we have to do is get through this half hour and then whatever happens, happens. And if it, if I completely bomb, then at least I'll know what not to say next time. Yeah. Yeah. What and if we it, named your ADHD? Like, what if we, what if ADHD oh. is like an, an, like a monogram for a name? And that way, instead of referring to your ADHD as like my ADHD, I'm not a professional. This is literally yeah. just me spitballing. But what if instead yeah. of like you saying like my ADHD, you were like my Allie, like <laughs> Allie Dominique Heather Duncanson or whatever. I mean, it's your ADHD, so you can name her yeah, whatever yeah. you want, it whatever you oh, want. God. But I love that. Yeah. yeah, like thinking of it. You know, like thinking of it as a part of you, but not a definitive part of you mm-hmm. is, and it's also like, so getting into a little bit like resources that are, mm-hmm. are yeah. helpful. Um, yeah, I've, I've personally found that um, like ADHD TikTok has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. One, because there's a ton ton of people who have it but two it's mm-hmm. a lot of them will share like these are the things that help me and mm-hmm. these are um and also seeing people 
who like have taken their ADHD mm-hmm. or whatever their diagnosis is and have found ways to actually embrace it and lean into it mm-hmm. in a way that's like it helps me be a more creative person. Like I know mm-hmm. for myself and one of the things I've worked on and some of it is through journal prompts that people have shared or just mm-hmm. their own insight. Mm-hmm. I realized that like, yes, as uh, frustrating as it can be, it's mm-hmm. also the reason why I'm really good at being empathetic towards other mm-hmm. people is because my brain moves so fast sometimes that it's very easy for me to be like, oh, well, what's the situation like outside of myself? Mm-hmm. Like, th- so it's easier for me to do that. It's also part mm-hmm. of the reason why, like, I have this weird skill set of like all kinds of different things because I, mm-hmm. I find new interests, I pick them up, I put them down. So it's very yep. much a jack of all trades situation. But there have been so many reasons why it's been the thing that has taken me to where I am and has made mm-hmm. me like who I am in a positive way. And I think that, uh, finding that community online has been incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of uh, doctors and uh, therapists, psychologists, mm-hmm. psychiatrists, that was the also mm-hmm. the other word I was looking for, who talk about it. And mm-hmm. they'll give you tips. Uh, they'll, you know, there's a lot of fitness coaches who have yeah. ADHD who are like, hey, this is how you, yeah. this is the things that I've found that are really beneficial to me. So it's, I think finding those online communities, whether it's through social media yeah. or not, are so helpful because it it's just a reminder that you're not alone in the struggle. And yes. That there are a lot of people out there who understand and people that you can reach out to and talk to, even yeah. if you've never met them in real life. 100%. I think that's the beauty of the internet. It's like the mm-hmm. the same side, the, sa- the different fuck the two sides of the same coin like the internet could be full of hate and judgment but also the internet could be full of a community that you can make really great friends from um yeah 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 and really quickly for those that don't know the difference between a therapist and a psychiatrist a psychiatrist goes to medical school just like your primary care doctor your a pediatrician, your dermatologist, whatever, goes to medical school and then does a fellowship for psychiatry, which is additional training, additional debt, so many years of debt for yeah. medical school. Um, and ultimately what they can do that a therapist cannot is uh, prescribe medication. Because yeah. they've gone to medical school, their rates are higher than a therapist, which is why sometimes yes. they can cost four, five, six hundred dollars for a visit. Um Therapists can be social workers, they can be um, licensed mental health counselors, they can be marriage and family count, like there are so many different, ultimately they have a master's degree level of education, and they sometimes a PhD or a PsyD level of education, and they have passed the licensure and exams to be able to practice as a therapist. Um, They cannot prescribe medication. And ultimately, a lot of people will say that depending on a person's diagnosis, it's great to have both. Like, it's great to have a psychiatrist to check in every once in a while, like once a month or something, and then a therapist once a week. But if you, whether you have, if you have insurance and it's through your employer and you have trouble navigating it, open the door to your HR department. Like, have that conversation. Your HR department 
yes, I understand like human resources works for the company. They're like priority isn't the person, it's the company, but they like fuck it. Go to them. Yeah. They understand your benefits. They'll be able to talk you through whether you have mental health care coverage. If you are nervous about going to your HR rep or you don't want to, or you have your insurance through another venue or you don't have insurance, a lot of the therapists that have small practices, which you can find by going to psychologytoday.com, that's a great resource mm-hmm. to just find all of the listings. Um, they understand that insurance is a pain in the ass. They understand what it's yeah. like to work on the outskirts of the insurance industry. And so a lot of them will be very, very helpful in helping you navigate either helping you find out your benefits or helping you f- helping guide you to how you can find out your benefits and understand mm-hmm. them. A lot of them will help you understand the billing. So if your insurance does cover um they'll they'll either file it to your insurance the cost of the visit or they'll help you fill out reimbursement paperwork. If you don't have insurance, talk to them about a sliding scale. So many therapists want to help you and they don't yeah. want things like like cost or insurance or bureaucracy or paperwork to be a, a deterrent. So they will walk you through how you can afford the therapy. Um, yeah. So don't be afraid to have that conversation. If you're someone that is already exploring going to therapy, then you already have the courage to to do the thing. Just like the 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 money piece, as touchy as we are talking about money in this country, like unless we have a shit ton of it, um, it shouldn't be something that makes you afraid. Like these these people have therapists have seen the like. Every single type of human being in any type of life situation you can imagine, they've probably Mm -hmm. encountered it and they are not coming from a place of judgment. They genuinely want to help. So I encourage you to have that financial conversation, even if it may be uncomfortable at first. Um, And there are some apps. There's like Talkspace and some other apps that give you like virtual mental health. Yeah, virtual care. Which are great if, like, you're someone like me that is either on a wait list or, like, can't really get in to see anyone. It's really great to have someone that you can talk to that you can establish a relationship with week in and week out. Um, But Talkspace and other apps, like, it are really great stop gaps in case you don't have the ability for that or the finances or, you know, whatever your situation may be. So that's really great. Very, very quickly, I do want to... Um, not plug, but I do want to highlight the phone number for the National um, Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Mm-hmm. If you or someone you know um, is exhibiting suicidal thoughts, ideations, has talked about ending their life or or anything that that causes you alarm, or if you've thought about it, um, just know that there are resources for you. Not here on this podcast. We are... We will yeah. love you forever and give you all the laughs and the and the virtual hugs and everything, but we want to make sure that you're fully supported. So if you or anyone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, um, please, please know that this uh, lifeline is open 24 hours a day and they have a few different languages um, and translators. It is 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. If you are part of the um, LGBTQIA plus community 
And if you are struggling with your mental health, there's also the Trevor Project. Um, and you can reach out to them through text or chat. Um, but you can also call them at one 7386 Number's 1-866-488-7386. Yeah. There are resources. There is help. Um, and we can only talk about like what we've experienced and what we've gone through and, and what we know. Um, but if you at any point want to share your story with our audience, if you want to just talk to us without even having to share and just like DM us or whatever, yeah. um, we're here and, and we love, we love you and we love our community and we're always here yeah. for you. You guys are yeah. great. You've been so supportive. Um, yeah. And I did really quickly want to plug uh, to one is a resource and then one is just a tip if you are looking for a therapist. Mm-hmm. So if you were looking for a therapist and you're having a hard time, um, what I would recommend, I've had my therapist do this for a few friends. Um, but if you have a friend who is actively in therapy, you can check in with them and say, like, hey, do you think your therapist would be comfortable um, sharing any recommendations? Mm-hmm. So one of the things my therapist did was uh, I got – I had a friend who was really struggling and I was like, you know, what are you looking for in a therapist? They sent me sort of what they were look, uh, looking for in the area and, you know, if they wanted telehealth or not. I gave it to my therapist and she was able to – she's in some um, – psychology facebook groups that are Mm -hmm. closed unless you are a licensed therapist Mm -hmm. she posted Mm -hmm. in there and she had like three people respond and they're like yeah i meet those criteria i am accepting new patients here's my phone number and i was able to give that to my friend so sometimes that is an option um because again resources can be really difficult um and the other one this is a free app um that i've used i love that for a while yeah it's pretty great it's um it's called sanvelo s-a-n-v-e-l-l-o um and it is a free app that has like it has meditation built in it has um some journal prompts built in and there's the free version and then there is like a premium uh version What it also does that I think is really, really helpful when you're trying to figure out, like, how do I start addressing my mental health is it has you – you can do a daily check-in where it will ask you, like, you just woke up today. Mm -hmm. Um, How are you feeling? And then you'll put that in. And then you can kind of do these checkpoints throughout the day. Mm -hmm. You put in how you're feeling and then it may ask you, like, okay – what what are you thinking about? And then mm-hmm. you can start to write down what you're thinking about. You can jot down notes. And then you can also plug in like daily health um, check-ins. Like how much water did you drink mm-hmm. today? How much coffee did you have today? Did you go on a – how much exercise did you get? How much sleep did you get? Yeah. So you can start to populate it with information. And then what it will do is show you trends. So if, you know, you tend to put in like, oh, I'm not having a really good day. Uh, And it's like, hey, I've noticed you tend to like not have great days when you only get four hours of sleep. So you can start to track those to see if there are any any particular habits that inform how you feel on any given day. Um, Yeah. It's really great. And like the – I don't know if this is just me or this is like a a female thing. Mm-hmm. But 
my levels of anxiety and depression are almost cyclical with my period. Yeah. Like right when I'm PMSing is when I I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to get out of bed. I, I, I don't have any appetite. Nothing brings me joy. I just want to shut out away from everyone. And then like, but, and it's for like a good week and a half that this happens. And then I'll like, that'll pass. I'll get my period. I'll like be reinvigorated and then I'll be Mm -hmm. almost manic. Like Mm -hmm. do, do, do accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. And then I just slowly start to slide back into that depressive state when I like round back to PMSing and then I'll slip back into it. And I didn't realize that this was happening until my fiance pointed it out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. So now I've started tracking on a calendar, like, when I'm mm-hmm. supposed to, luckily I'm fairly regular. I know not everyone else is, but like I've started tracking like, okay, this is when I'm supposed to get it this month, which means that a week and a half leading up to it, I may be feeling like this. So knowing that I know that, I know not to put any big meetings, big projects, yep. big deadlines for myself within that space and instead go a little bit easier, show myself grace, lift only what I genuinely feel like I can lift and then use the other times where I feel invigorated, those are the times to really jam-pack my schedule, get the most out of my time. So, like, under I, I agree with you. When you are able to understand yourself and, and your cycles, they don't have to be menstrual necessarily. But, like, yeah. your emotional cycles or your emotional patterns, then you're able to, like, better get ahead of of how you feel. Um, so yeah. yeah, I love that. I, I, I think that's incredible. An app that helps you kind of track that and point out those patterns. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's, I mean, it, so much goes into your mental health. And so when yeah. you can understand those patterns. It's easier to, like you were saying, like it's easier to prepare yourself for that. It's easier to be yeah. empathetic with yourself and just you know, give yourself the room that you need when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the one of the like I just pulled it up in the app store on my phone and one of the um, screenshots that they have as part of their promo Mm -hmm. is like a message that says like, I feel like my anxiety isn't valid because I know there are people in the world that are going through worse things than I am. And so it's like truly, truly, no matter how silly you may feel about Mm -hmm. your the effects of your mental health and the the thoughts that come into your mind it's you are valid how you feel is valid the fact that you have a a mental disruption a neurological disruption that leads to anxiety depression adhd whatever the case may be like that is valid and expressing yourself and talking about it and getting the help that's also valid so yeah, I mean, I feel like mental health. I feel like it's not only mental health is stigmatized, but also there's a lot of judgment about us talking about our feelings, especially in this society, which like how mm-hmm. you were saying, push through, get to the top of the ladder, never see them, never let them see you crack. And it's like, no, we we honestly, we probably should be talking about our feelings more because if we were, yeah. we probably wouldn't have as many fucking conflicts as we do. Absolutely. Like, 
you're you are you are so much more than the sum of your parts and yes your feelings are a huge part of your experience as a human on this earth and when Mm -hmm. you ignore them or avoid them that's the other thing like when you ignore and avoid your feelings, they don't mm-hmm. go away. Nope. They are there somewhere else living in your body, mm-hmm. like living in your head, and mm-hmm. it's going to come out at some point. And if it's not, yeah. it's going to come out in a different way, and it's usually very um, damaging yeah. if it's not addressed. It's it's like uh, I've always thought of it as like when you get a splinter, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't get it out. What's likely going to happen is it's going to get infected or it's going to get all gross Mm -hmm. and eventually your body will get it out on its own. But it's going to be way more painful than it would have been if you had addressed it earlier on. So it – Yeah. Take care of it. Take care of yourself. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your mind. Like give it the respect that it needs. And yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest pieces of advice that I – was given and that it's become like my little motto Mm -hmm. is that it's okay to not be okay Mm -hmm. like you don't have to be happy and perfect and Mm -mm. full of light love laughter whatever all of the time because it's not it's not natural it's not human that's not reality yep it's you're such a, a bigger spectrum than that yeah and happiness when we truly truly think about it happiness could not exist without sadness because everything in our life is relative. Every every way that we're able to think about something is for the most part in relation to something else. So happiness couldn't exist without sadness. And the more that, I, something that I've learned, the more that I've tried to repress sadness or avoid sadness or, or not be vulnerable because then I open myself up to potential heartbreak Mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling sadness. I I truly was accomplishing my goal, but I was also doing myself the disservice of never truly allowing myself to feel the full potential of happiness either. So just just let that sink in. Yeah, it sucks. And you- it sucks. There are so many times where I, I lay awake at night and I'm like, why? Why must we feel <laughs> sadness in order to truly appreciate joy? Yeah. Why? That's how you know well, God if God exists that <laughs> like or rather that's how you that's how I know God doesn't exist because she would have never done this to us. Or if she does exist, <laughs> she's not a she. Sometimes I like to imagine that God is Jerry Springer. <laughs> Just standing in the audience, excited to cause more drama. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's bring him out. Yeah. yeah. How this random stool will get here? Is someone about to- <laughs> Who's that going to be for? <laughs> Is it your trauma? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And I will say, too, Uh-oh. sometimes, like, I think one of my favorite things, like, when I have a good cry, mm-hmm. like, a good cathartic cry, yeah. and I let it all out, and I, yep. like, identify what's making me feel that way, I feel so much better. Like, I feel so much better, and honestly, that I'm like, oh, I'm feeling happiness because I got that shit out of my system. Mm-hmm. Like, just mm-hmm. just let it out, man. Just vomit yep. it all up. It's yep. fine. You'll, you'll, yeah. be, you'll be fine. <laughs> Don't vomit. Sorry. <laughs> I hate vomiting so much. Oh. I hate it. It's gross. Uh, it burns sorry. my nostrils. 
Unless I'm doing oh. it wrong. <laughs> Should we get to Recos of the Week? Yeah, let's get to Recos of the Week. What the fuck? <laughs> Recos of the Week. I love you. <laughs> um, all right, What's your Reco of the Week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm late to the party, but that's fine. Um, huh. My Reco of the Week is uh, this Italian rock band um, called... Uh, Moniskin, I believe is how you say it. It means moonlight in Danish. Wait, they're an Italian rock band, but they they have a Danish name, I believe. It's M-A-N... Mainskin. It looks like Mainskin, yeah, but it's pronounced Moniskin. But they, in 2017, I looked this up right before the episode because I was like, I need to remember. Uh, I think they were the second runner-up to X Factor, which like love Ooh. X Factor. That's what gave us One Direction. What up? Um, so they were a second runner up on X Factor, and then they mm-hmm. this year won, I think, for best song on Eurovision. Um, they're like if like the White Stripes and the Strokes had a like a little funky Italian baby. It's fantastic. They're Do wonderful. yourself a favor, listeners, and. Look at their wiki page and look at their band <laughs> photo that's on their wiki page. I will describe it to you, but you also need to see it. There are four of them. There, one is this beautiful, androgynous, long-haired, eyeliner-wearing person wearing a zebra suit, <laughs> like not not a not like a costume, like a suit in a zebra mm-hmm. print. Mm-hmm. Another person standing next to him, also very androgynous, wearing eyeliner, is wearing purple leopard print pants, a checkered blazer shirtless. Then Mm -hmm. there is another person in like a peach suit. Um, I want to say a lady, Victoria DeAngelis, beautiful. She looks, she's giving me like Haley Williams vibes. Mm -hmm. And then there is also this like gorgeous, beautiful androgynous person with a leather jacket with fringe. Like what is happening here? (laughs) I, please look this up. I'll also, we'll also post it on, on our Instagram. But like, wow, I am very into yeah. like just dripping androgynous sex appeal. Yeah, they've got like a a very um, like eighties glam rock. Yes, this main kind person, of style. This like yeah. the main. The, I, I don't know singer. what their pronouns are, so I'm having trouble talking no, about it's it. Okay, uh, um, but the the. Uh, Damiano David, not Damian. Damiano is very sexy. Oh my god, born in 1999. Now I feel wrong. Now I feel dirty. I know. Yeah, they're they're very young compared to compared to us. (laughs) Pete is, but that's the thing about Italian men is that they don't they don't look their age. Like he does not look 22. Yeah. His jawline is like, out of control. Oh, his I'm I'm just I love any man that will wear suspenders. <laughs> oh my gosh, there are photos of him doing like press conferences, and he has no mm-hmm. shirt on, and he's covered in tattoos, and he has eyeliner on, and he's giving me he's almost giving me like Mark Jacobs vibes. Like if you've looked yes. at Mark Jacobs Instagram yeah. recently, especially. 
Yeah. He's giving me like Mark Jacobs vibes. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, 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 mm-hmm. he's something. I think we need to wrap up this podcast because I gotta go take my laptop into a dark corner of my house. And on next week's episode of the Peony, uh, so uh, so before you get too hot and oh, bothered, yeah. uh, yep. what's your reco of the week? My reco of the week is also slightly um, delayed. It is. So if anyone that knows me knows I love to read. I buy so many books and I have mm-hmm. recently made a promise to myself, more so to my fiance, whom I share an abode <laughs> with, that I will not buy any more books until I have read through the backlog of, of all of my books that I own that I have not yet read. And there's one book particularly that I got as part of like my book of the month back when I was a subscriber. It came out in January of this year. It's been on all the bestsellers lists. Everyone's obsessed with it. And I've been meaning to get around to it. And now six months later, five months later, I opened it up. And wow, am I kicking myself for not opening it sooner. It's called Outlawed. And it is by Anna North. I have talked to you about this. But basically, here's the thing. I like so... You read the book jacket and you're like, oh, okay, it's this girl who gets married and then leaves her life behind to join a band of outlaws in the Wild West in the late 1800s. And you're like, that's cool. Let me read that. But what you don't realize when you get deeper into it is like, there is a society that fertility is the only thing that's pretty much appreciated and pretty much like a woman's job. And women in their teens uh. are getting married. And if they're barren, they are oh, basically no. like being ostracized. They're forced to leave the community. If other people in the community after that woman is proven to be barren, other people start to like come up as barren or lose their children or there's death or anything. That original woman is like processed in the judicial system as a witch and executed and so like christ so like our protagonist like goes through this and ultimately has to leave her life behind because she is wanted by the law for being barren and a supposedly a witch and so she joins this band of outlaws but what you don't what the book cover doesn't tell you or the jacket doesn't tell you is that the leader of the gang is a non-binary person. Like, they address it in the book. Because yeah. the protagonist asks, like, is is the kid a, a woman? or? A-? And they're just like, neither a woman nor a man. And yet both. Like, like just like a non-binary person. And everyone else in the gang is also a woman that had to leave her community because she was barren. And you just see all of these people and they live this life of just like acceptance and support for each other. And so just to like see this, like see this community of people in a book mm-hmm. and they're like, it, 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 I've never like, it's just such a good book. It's I love Westerns. I'm loving Westerns lately. But it's just <laughs> the fact that, like, there's this religious community and they ostracize one of their people because if she can't produce children, then she's worthless to the society. Mm-hmm. 
And so she joins this group of rebels and it's women like her that like tape their chests down and go rob banks. And the leader of the group is a non-binary person. And they, she just like learns to shoot and learns to like be an outlaw. And it is one of the most amazing pieces of fiction. I'm halfway through so far. And I'm just like, as a straight cis woman, I'm reading it and I'm just like, this is amazing. Like this is how many times have I had to read books that were through the male gaze and the only books that I read yeah. that were through the female gaze were like ro- mass market romance novels and here is a book where like there are just so many different um people who identify in different ways and like you get to know these characters you get to know like their their sexual orientation and like their mm-hmm. philosophies and like how they identify and it's just so well written and so thoughtful and I am I'm loving it and I'm I like blew through the first half and now I'm like okay I can I can't blow through the second half because I have mm-hmm. to pace myself because it's just so good. So my pick of the week is Outlawed by Anna North. If you haven't read it yet, read it and if you have read it, then pass it on to someone that you think will like it and do a little little ripple of of kindness via books or if you want to yeah. do a ripple of kindness or give us your records of the week leave us a voicemail on our hotline 707-892-0401 leave us your recos leave us your tales of kindness or whatever you want to share 707-892-0401 thank you and we love you we love Thanks you so much bye, bye. we're adorable Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Peony, where we believe that culture informs all that we do and art can truly be anything. If you like this episode, please leave us a review, rate us, tell all your friends to subscribe, follow, download. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Talk to you soon. Yeah, I